Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, good morning to you on a glorious Saturday morning. It's going to be mid-60s, a little bit cloudy every once in a while, but not right now. Skies are awfully blue with the sun shining. Good morning, Bruce Levine. How you doing? Good morning, Jerry Taft. How are you today? Oh, I'm sorry, Matt Spiegel. Uh, it's, it's great to be with you, Matt, and uh, I'm getting a little bit more excited about the possibilities of baseball actually uh, happening again, and uh Regardless of what you hear in the negotiations out there between the two sides and the, uh, you know, the idea that uh, they're having difficulties, it is a negotiation. We'll get deeper into that negotiation later on today with our guest uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. He does a terrific job with inside information and writing for USA Today for over 20 years. Also, uh, Paul Kinzer, the agent who represents Eloy Jimenez as, as well as very many more players in baseball will be joining us at 9.30. Your call is at 312-644-6767. You can text us at the same number as well, 312-644-6767, uh, to get in and uh, get your opinions out there. Matt and I have an awful lot to get into today, Matt, so uh, where would you like to begin? Well, I mean, the overarching theme is the ugliness of this moment, the awkwardness of the negotiations when they become public, and the seeming um, chasm between the two sides when when loud voices um, vociferously, you know, showcase the the differences in, in what they're trying to accomplish. But what you what you gave a little voice to right there, Bruce, and what seems to be existing, and I'd love you to shed a little more light on it, is some some action within the game itself, and some not just optimism, but legitimate preparations within the game itself that that really make us believe that most people involved think there's going to be baseball. Think there is going to be some games this year, and everybody's kind of getting ready to, to for the realities of it. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've, I've, you know, doing this for so many years, I've covered so many work stoppages and situations where uh, there are um, 
appearances that uh, there won't be any games uh, and there won't be any uh, any any situations where uh, we will be uh, having baseball. But that's only happened once in 1994. And although, uh, Matt, it was uh, certainly uh, detrimental to the game forever, uh, losing the World Series and the last 50 games of the 1994 season, uh, this uh, blustering and this uh, negotiation stuff has been going on forever. And when you hear uh, Scott Boris's top players talking about we're not taking a penny less, and you hear ownership side saying uh, this is all the money we have. It's negotiations. Underline it about 500 times, and you you have the idea that uh, you don't listen to uh, either side initially. And all we have right now is the initial uh, offer, and now the initial uh, the player is going back to the owners uh, with a counter offer. Uh, hopefully, in the next day or two, uh, that's going to occur. So. Uh, more realistically, I'd say within a week, uh, we should hear something about that baseball should come back. That, that's by talking to many people. That's by experience. Uh, if, if we don't hear something within the next week, uh, I think you can forget about it. But I don't expect that to happen. Now, on a local front, you want to go there? Well, you know, let, let, let's pause there in terms of the yeah. timing because, you know, it, it, within a week, there has been no, obviously, official deadline put out there. But if the goal is to get the game back by the 4th of July or even the middle of July in terms of the ramp up and everything, there realistically, there is a deadline. Do you think they do you think they feel a strict deadline within the negotiations? Because they seem pretty far apart and you got to have an offer and then a counter offer and then another offer. What you know, do you think they're both both sides are conscious of a potential deadline here? Yeah, and uh, you know, you know, we're hearing that the players are going to offer a hundred uh, games that they would play a hundred games. There'd be mm -hmm. more revenues from TV. Uh, maybe by the end there'll be some fans at the stands. We don't know. Probably not. But um, more importantly, uh, they're trying to find a way to show that the owners will get more revenue if they play more games. The owners, from what I'm told, are, are not interested in. Uh, in more games. They're interested in getting done by October 1st, having a whole month of playoffs and being done by November 1st. And, and the, the key to that, uh, you know, there's, there's two areas. Number one, the most important is if you listen to medical people, if there's going to mm -hmm. be a second wave of the coronavirus, it's going to come in the fall. Okay. So you don't want to be messing with that. Uh, that's the most important thing. Number two is you're going right into the teeth of the, uh, the heart of the NFL at that time. And you don't uh, want Fox having to pick wh who they're going to uh, have on and at what time if the playoffs are extended into November. That's their football season. That's where they get their biggest ratings. Um, that uh, they, they don't want to go head-to-head -head with themselves. So uh, what drives baseball? What drives baseball revenues in the baseball economy? TV, big-time television contracts. So they're not going to fight up against that. that that's probably going to be a non-starter as far as extending past a regular season of October 1st. Therefore, you're going to have either 82 or 60 games in a season, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, not too many weeks ago, you, Matt Spiegel, said, hey, I'll take 50 to 60 games yep. if we have one. Um, uh, they believe that anything less than 60 would be uh, 
highly susceptible, uh, highly suspect as far as the credibility goes. So their ideal is 82 right now. They'd probably go to 60. But this is this is some of the intel that I've had confirmed uh, by major league sources uh, going into this. Yeah, the, 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 it's interesting because the key, I think, is a full postseason, right? And that's what we've been saying all along, and that was my angle with the 50-game season, like whatever, take whatever you can get. But the full postseason also is financially where the owners can recoup at least something from their in, in their mindset. And would that full postseason, boy, if you're trying to get it in in a month, that doesn't really leave you time for the expanded postseason, as they were talking about. That doesn't seem like, like will that be a part of things this year or not? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing no. I'm hearing that the, the 14 playoff teams uh, for mm-hmm. 2020 only is not really on the table in that offer and that uh, they're sticking with the, you know, the, the, the ones that they have now where it's 10, right? So yeah. uh, th- that's because there's just no there's no space in there for expanded playoffs there, there just isn't if they want to end uh, by November 1st and, th- and that's their goal they don't want to they don't want to fight the, the, the possible return of the pandemic they don't want to fight the NFL and Fox uh, having to battle against themselves as to how to program both baseball and football in November hmm. so um, it's, so it's interesting so if the players come back, well, you know, you mentioned that there's that there's local stuff. So let's let's talk about that with with everybody in the audience listening, knowing that we will get back to some of the specifics and the negotiations between the sides. But we're in Chicago, one of the rare two team towns in baseball, passionate fan bases. And people want to know what spring training 2.0, spring training two, electric boogaloo or spring training strikes back spring training in the temple of doom. I'm still workshopping all of these, Bruce, uh, but people want to know what good. that it's might look like. Yeah, let's just use them all every time. It takes up a lot of space. <laughs> People want to know what what that might look like, what it might look like locally. All right. Um, so, what, what should yeah. they think about? Let's start with spring training. How would you like Chicago White Sox begin spring training in Chicago at Guaranteed Rate Field and Curtis Granderson Park uh, at uh, the UIC? Okay. Not very far from where we're sitting right right now. It's a beautiful, beautiful ballpark. I think $10 million Curtis gave to to get that thing built and going. Or the Chicago Cubs start spring training at Wrigley Field on on June the 10th and at Northwestern University. Okay, Mm -hmm. because what we're talking about now is uh, rosters of uh, players for the depth chart somewhere between 40 and 50. Okay, Uh, if you're going to have one field like Wrigley Field or guaranteed rate, you're not going to have enough space for all these people to train unless you start at seven in the morning and at seven at night. uh, The weather variable, certainly a concern. uh, And a couple of these parks, uh, these ancillary parks that we're talking about have AstroTurf. Okay, that's Hmm. pretty important because of the fact that if you have AstroTurf and you go to one of these parks and you have rain early in the day, uh, you're good to go. Uh, with, a, uh, with a field that has grass and dirt, uh, mostly, you, you, might, you might be out of business as far as getting your day's work in. So these are other areas that they're looking at. So Major League Baseball, <clears throat> and in particular in the Chicago area, the Cubs and Sox are both looking at... Uh, 
other places to train <laughs> with their rosters of players other than their ballparks to go along with their ballparks. And that is a big part of what they're looking forward to over the next few weeks. Now, the, this would also continue through the regular season because you have this depth chart of players up to 25 or so that are going to have to be close in proximity to Chicago for them to slide over and replace players when they go on the IL or if uh, you have an expanded roster be exchanged in that 30 to 35 man roster. So, All right, uh, so, if, so if you're talking about like a taxi squad of, of, of sorts and the mm-hmm. roster starts between 30 and 35 with an expanded pitching staff as guys get their arms into shape, there you're going to need those those guys close. And if you're the Cubs, South Bend and Iowa, perhaps not close mm-hmm. enough during the season. Probably not close enough. Yeah, I mean, maybe South Bend if they feel that's ideal. But, you know, if you want to play inter-squad games, you know, and you need to move people around – for pitchers, you know, you, you don't want them driving uh, 180 miles to uh, to get it done. So mo- more likely a site uh, closer, a college that's not being used, their field like Northwestern, uh, you know, North Park, uh, Curtis Granderson for UIC. But uh, uh, there, there are some hoops to jump through, and that is if the college programs come back and colleges come back in August, uh, where are where are these guys going to go play when their own programs begin uh, this late fall work? So there there's mm-hmm. a lot of work to be done here to, to be able to accomplish that. But that, in fact, is what the Chicago teams are looking at. That, in fact, is what teams throughout Major League Baseball are looking at as far as accommodating uh, this 2020 spring training 2.0, as you put it, Matt. Mm. Um, so, so in, interesting. So they'd have access to those, those people and those, and those players, um, get, getting back to the, to the negotiations, um, it, unless there's something else locally you want to share, Bruce. Um, well, you know, it, only that, um, uh, you know, the, you know, we know that, um, they're, they're going to probably be limited to try to have just 50 personnel in a ballpark uh, hmm. on a regular basis, you know, inside the ballpark. So for the entire look, organization. Yeah. For the entire organization. Time. Yeah. So that, wow. that's, that's going to be a very low amount too. It, it's just, you know, it's all about medical safety first, second, and third. Then we get along around to the, the competitive part of it, bringing people into ballparks eventually, but probably, not in 2000, excuse me, not in 2020. So, um, you know, phase one of baseball is, you know, you're 50 and our 50 in the ballpark when we start playing. Uh, you're, there, it's going to be mostly, the spring training will be mostly held within their own group. There might be less than a handful of exhibition games at the end of this spring training 2.0 period. But Major League Baseball uh, does not want a lot of competition between the teams exhibition-wise. They want to save it for the regular season. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't want to have take any extra risks moving forward. They want to save it all for the Major League season of whatever amount of games they play. 
All right, so 50 people for an org within, with within the game. I'm, I'm picturing, I, I mean, and who's there among among us, among the ink stained or you know app stained? Oh, you wretches? know, people don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones that care about that is us. Uh, we, we have not heard anything. I've I've been in contact with Paul Sullivan, who's the uh, president of not only the local chapter of the uh, uh, Baseball Writers of America, but also. Uh, nationally, he's the president uh, this year, and uh, they have not been in touch with him, neither the Players Association or Major League Baseball, as to <clears throat> what coverage would look like. But we know for sure it's going to be uh, the, the probably the, the strangest type of uh, coverage, both TV, radio, and print or internet that we've ever seen. And uh, you know, if, if they're taking these precautions with the players. And the team personnel, if you can imagine, you know, what it's going to be like to try to do that with the media, it's uh, yeah. it's going to be uh, it's going to be limited at best is the way I look at it. Yeah, um, makes sense. Um, I, I, all right. Back to the negotiations for for a moment here on the broader scale. So if, if the players union comes back with something, you know, today, tomorrow, Monday, that offers 100 games, this is what we've heard that they would offer more games to play, but at the 82-game rate. So they're, like, throw them 20 games to possibly play. Um, and then some deferment, you know, deferred payment um, over the next couple years or n- next year. Um, is, is that enough? Because what ownership tried to go for is a massive pay cut on the sliding scale with the big money guys getting less. If, if, if the players come back with no pay cut at all as part of the thing, that's, that's, that's not enough, right? Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, they're, what they're predicating their offers on, and we're hearing dribs and drabs of it, and we'll go over with Bob Nightingale of uh, USA Today as well, uh, Matt, later on in our show, is uh, the fact that uh, <clears throat> Major League Baseball – uh, full-blown in 2021, uh, they're hoping all the revenues are back and the revenue streams are back and that uh, the, the profit level will be back. Therefore, if they allow them to defer this full amount of money that the players are asking for, the full amount of an 82-game pro-routed game, uh, uh, attempt to, mm-hmm. uh, to pay them, then uh, okay, uh, then you'll have the money later on we don't have to take a cut. We're just taking a deferment, and you, you'll have a better way to absorb this over two or three years uh, as you pay us back. So uh, they're trying to be creative there, but they're not—they're not interested in taking any cut from the uh, from the, the full amount here that they want for the 82 games. Um, so that's that's going to be the offer out there. Eventually, you know, maybe it'll it'll end up as 75% of a half. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Instead of the, yeah. the full 100% that they have, maybe they'll get it. They'll whittle it down to that with deferments. I think there's a deal to be cut there. That's for sure. I mean, both sides understand they need to play. Matt, can you imagine? Just imagine the NBA and the NHL uh, in July or early August starting uh, their playoffs, and there's no baseball. I mean, can you imagine? Not not only the, uh, the the way the sports fans will look at it, but uh, the humiliation for both sides of yes. that these sports can play and uh, MLB 
the summer sport can't get an agreement done to play. I mean, that to me is really inconceivable. I just don't see how that can happen. Well, it can happen if if one of the sides just decides to hold incredibly stubborn. And my fear for that <clears throat> is the players because of, frankly, because of Tony Clark and his job insecurity and his desire to be so tough and come off so completely and, and, and utterly tough and the pressure that's applied by super agents like Scott Boris with that, with that memo this week, my fear is that the players will be intractable when, as you say, there is a deal to be made and it is going to have to involve some sacrifice from the players' sides. I know it's ugly and I I'm, I get why they don't want to do it. I completely get it. But in in this moment, you, there's there's no there's no deal to be made without some sacrifice from both sides at this point. Right, and you know if if individual players decide they don't want to play. Um, Maybe the union can come up with an, a, a, a different uh, payment plan for them within their union, whether it's uh, health issues or family issues or uh, philosophical issues. Maybe that's, a, that's a, something that's done within the framework of the union. And uh, we, I, we as fans or uh, the owners maybe don't have to be involved with that because that, that seems to be... Uh, a sidelight and an issue in itself, you know, where some players are concerned who have had previous health issues. Uh, some some players are concerned about their families and uh, young kids and babies coming along very quickly. Mm-hmm. The timing of moving their families to uh, these other areas that may be more of risk than where they live. So, you know, that could be that could be handled differently. But all I can tell you is uh, negotiations are just that. And that this thing needs to get done within the next week here if they're going to have time to get the spring training 2.0 and an 82 game or 75 game or whatever type season uh, you're going to have that has some integrity to it. I've, I've spoken to some people within the game, and I know that obviously you've spoken to a lot of people, Bruce, who just just they want to kind of put their head in the sand and not see the ugliness that is going on now and is will continue to go on for the next week. I mean, it's like all the all the fights are available if you want to watch Trevor Bauer and Kyle Loesch go back and forth on Twitter and have that devolve into okay boomer and you're immature. I mean, you can see all that stuff yeah. and it can it can be as ugly uh, as as you want, but if you there's a lot of people who just want to put their head in the sand and, and come up for air in a week. And and they do hope and believe that there will be baseball. When we come back, we'll tell you uh, what Major League Baseball has in mind for maybe a spring or a, rather a minor league season in November and December. And a little bit about where the minor leagues are at. 670 The Score is where you are. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. It's inside the clubhouse. Agent Paul Kinzer going to be on with us. Um, and also Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Do you think hitting 50-plus home runs is in your future? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big number, though. Why not? Why not? Says Eloy Jimenez. Reminds me of Derrick Rose. Why can't I be MVP? Way back when, Bruce Levine. When Eloy why can't Jimenez says. Bob Costas, no. <laughs> well, why not? I, I, why not? Why not? <laughs> why, why can't I lose all the weight I've gained during quarantine? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Somebody, somebody needs to remove the kitchen from my house. This is, this is an issue. I, I just. <laughs> Nothing, the kitchen should just not be there, or I could just you know, not walk through it eight to 12 times a day. I, I, can, I can relate to what you're saying, because if, if, I, if I just had some more talent, I'd be able to be like Bob Costas. See, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I just don't. So I guess we'll have to get by with what we got right now. Yeah, well, well you know, what you got is, uh, is information and a... Uh, and you have a mouth. Well, you're, agreeing and, with, you're agreeing with me then. Okay. Well, I, in terms of the talent... You. Well, that's right, yeah, right there for it's me. Obvious. It's right, it's right there. I mean, we've known it for many decades here in Chicago. But um, you do have, uh, you do have a platform and a place right here on Inside the Clubhouse. And before that, it was talking baseball. I remember listening to talking baseball. It's mm-hmm. a long when time. You were a little, when you were a little boy. When, when I was just a little producer, and, and mm-hmm. I would, and and I would go to the little <laughs> producer's room. To, to 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 go to the bathroom, but I would always make sure that that, that talking baseball uh, was on, and I, I I would I would like to co-opt the um, what is a grizzled form of optimism that you and and others who've seen the um, the battles between mm-hmm. these sides and the battles in baseball um, that that you seem to have, which is that we eventually will get there and we'll have some game, and and I I won't care if I can't get in. You know, like if, right. if I can't get it, as long as I can watch it and enjoy it and be a part of it and look at box scores and play fantasy baseball, baby, let's go. We got to schedule those fantasy baseball drafts coming up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're uh, efforting to get in touch with uh, Paul Kinzer right now. Um, so uh, let's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say that uh, we'll continue on in some of the areas that we were talking about before, Matt. Uh, that is yeah. the, the what's the what's the minor league uh, what's the minor leagues going to look like, you know, going well, let's forward. Talk, let's let's talk about that because if there is, I mean, right now people are seeing all these all these releasings uh, releases. Um, a lot of players, minor league players, getting released. You're seeing some organizations treat things differently. The Oakland A's saying they're just not going to pay their minor leaguers anymore. And uh, a lot of those players have been active and vocal and turning the Dodgers, David Price stepping up and saying he's going to help and make sure that 
minor leaguers get paid in the Dodgers organization, which is pretty remarkable considering that David has not yet played a game for the Dodgers. Uh, but there he is doing that. And, and, and the realities of what the minor league system is going to look like in 2021 and beyond. So we've got to talk about that and, and figure out exactly what might happen in the short term in terms of the minor leagues. But before that, our next guest is going to join the show right here. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. Our next guest joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Paul Kinzer, a longtime friend and one of the top agents in the game of baseball, joining us on a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in Chicago. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining Matt and I. And uh, how are you holding up? Everybody healthy? Everybody hoping for some baseball pretty soon? Oh, absolutely. Uh, hopefully it gets going soon. Uh, I'm actually, we're living life pretty normal here in Georgia. I'm on the way to the racetrack. My grandson races go-karts. And I'm oh, part of the pit crew. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful out there. Yeah, but changing those changing those tires on the run on those uh, go karts are awfully tough business. They don't uh, put a wrench in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, uh, you know uh, Matt and I were talking uh, coming into into this segment with you about uh, the minor leagues. You represent minor league players and have for a decades now in Major League Baseball. Has, has there been any inkling to you? I mean, we're going to hear within days probably that the minor league. Uh, schedule has been canceled in baseball. What provisions do you think minor league players, and, and in particular some that you have, can take if they're not going to be on these expanded rosters uh, that the teams will probably have going into a 2020 season? Well, it, it's going to be tough. They're losing a year of development in that coaching, and it's a mess right now in baseball. The Latin guys are set up to be – they'll be playing all year. It won't be the level of coaching and development they get here. But the players here, it's, it's going to be hard. And uh, I feel really bad. The minor league guys are really taking a huge hit. Teams are cutting 40, 50 minor league players. And with all the cuts coming next year, they're getting ahead of it. And if a guy isn't a top prospect or a marginal prospect, at least, you don't get a chance to develop. You're gone so they can save the money. And right now, baseball is, uh, I mean, besides the major league guys, the minor league guys are going to suffer tremendously. The top prospects will be fine, but the other guys, there'll be guys out of jobs that might have developed into all-stars, but they're being released at 18, 19 years old, and it'll be tough for them to get back into baseball. And you've got colleges with going to be inundated with high school kids who aren't going in the draft, and you have the juniors coming back, I mean, it, it's the whole development system all the way down to colleges. It's going to be devastated. And now they're cutting out minor league teams. And 
I think yes, it's good. You know, you get people in West Virginia, Virginia, places like that. This is their only baseball. And you get out west and to Wyoming and out there, places like that. That's their only baseball to follow. And I think they're going to lose a lot of fans, and that's going to translate into TV dollars, I would imagine. Plus, people in West Virginia and parts of Pennsylvania where the Appalachian League was, those people used to drive to the Major League Park, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and places like that, Atlanta. And they're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, I guess they'll figure it out. But it just I think it's going to set baseball back, and uh, we might lose a lot of the next generation. Yes, that, that, that's kind of a scary landscape we're looking at, looking at the financial streamlining of a business. Um, and, and if we do have 40 less minor league teams and you do have bloated college rosters, you also have these kind of independent teaching academies, whether it's driveline baseball or all these other things. Where would you as an agent, Paul, where would you end up advising a 20, 21-year-old client who gets released from his minor league team or 22 year old maybe doesn't have college eligibility left i mean what what is that person to do are they looking at the end of their career and as, as you mentioned a lot of those guys have developed late and end up hitting the big leagues at 25 26 and actually end up having good careers where would you advise a 22 year old released player from the minor leagues to to go well they're going to be flooding the market so the odds of a kid like that getting back into a major league organization are going to be low. I mean, they'll have to go. The guys who really try to hang on and go to an independent league team, work their way back in, could have a chance. But how many people can afford to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, and another you uh, go ahead. Or, Player development and the the scouts, everybody, they cut the draft down to five rounds. A lot of people don't understand the reasoning there because the round six to ten, you go back through baseball history, there's a lot of all-stars and guys who developed into superstars who aren't even going to be drafted. Those guys aren't going to sign for $20,000. And the teams were looking at that as cheap labor. And I understand getting in the upper rounds, those guys used to fill out the rosters of those 40 teams that they're they're dropping. But it's really the landscape of baseball is going to be changing a lot. And as far as the major league side, they're going to get this worked out. Because the players, the owners, they can't, they can't take a season without baseball. They'll lose fans, and it's going to damage them tremendously. So, uh, Paul, looking forward, um, when, you, when we hear one side, uh, you know, the owner is saying, you know, this is all we can afford to lose. You hear the other side of people like Scott Boris and his uh, clients uh, posturing on the other side, you're, you're basically saying, hey, uh, kind of 
block out the white noise and uh, just uh, wait for this thing to get negotiated here over the next week. Is that is that your assumption here that within the next week or so we're going to have a deal? Absolutely. I got my start in a labor union, so that that is posturing and it's part of negotiation and public relations and everybody's trying to make themselves look good. But whenever the players take a position, the fans tend to turn on the players. They're greedy in that, and uh, I understand that. But these guys are not only fighting for their survival. There's a lot of players over the last 50, 60 years who have fought for a lot of the rights that are slipping away for their MLBPA, the players' union. And the players were looking to make a stand to let them know this is it. You know, we've been pushed far enough. And unfortunately, we're caught in the middle of some of that now. But with losing a big part of this season, I don't see how they don't get a contract worked out after the 2021 season. I just don't think baseball could could survive another work stoppage in 2022. Talking to agent Paul Kinzer right here on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. So is it um, is it a correct policy or, or is it uh, appropriate for an agent to involve themselves in the negotiations by, say, sending a memo to the union and union representation. Is that is that the right thing for an agent to be doing in this moment, Paul? Well, you've got to be careful how it's perceived. Are you doing it for the betterment of baseball or the betterment of yourself and your own pocketbook? So you just have to be careful. I mean, I'm sure he Scott's being called for interviews every day and he gives his opinion but to me Tony Clark and Manfred have to be the guys at the front and with MLBPA you've got players I mean like Trevor Bauer anytime there's a labor problem uh, the last labor stoppage you had guys like Tom Glavin in one of the major negotiations and some of the leadership stepping forward. And I think it's important it comes from those guys who can better put out their position and let people understand what, what they're fighting for. Paul, the, uh, the good news is that a, a, a pretty good source, an excellent source, confirmed that uh, if the pandemic doesn't return, uh, in its full force in the fall, that Major League Baseball is going to look at a minor league um, extended uh, fall league. So normally uh, the Arizona Fall League goes from October, uh, first week of October, the first week of November. They're looking at a a totally different uh, uh, fall baseball league for minor leaguers for November and December, both in Florida and Arizona. Uh, had you heard about that, Paul? And what are your ideas about, you know, maybe playing 40 games and getting the minor leaguers their uh, work done uh, later in the year rather than not at all? I think that's huge. They need to do that, and I think they will because 
their young prospects can't afford to lose a full season of development. The older guys, some of the guys closer to the big leagues, will be on the expanded roster so they can keep working with them. But these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids need that. And uh, I believe they'll work that out. And they have to have a place to get their top draft picks in also and get them started. Hey, Paul, back to the negotiations for a second. It seems like what the latest offer from Rob Manfred and MLB wants to do, and it's an old trick, right, is to try and divide the big money guys with the rank and file. And, and, and my fear when I see an agent like Scott get involved who represents all those big money guys is that it supports that agenda, whether that's the goal or not. I, the players need to stay unified and not let that divide be created by, by MLB. Would you agree with that? I agree completely, and uh, I think the younger players will stand with the older, the higher price guys. It's 65% of the guys aren't making big money. But the thing is, TV networks are not going to pay to see all the young guys. If you have a Trout, uh, Scherzer, guys like that who aren't playing it it dilutes the market and the tv money goes away those guys have to have incentive to come out take the risk of covid 19 and play that's just you know you've got to have those guys and the younger players understand that Paul, uh, in closing with you, Matt and I appreciate your time today, as always. Um, Eli Jimenez, on that soundbite coming in to uh, introducing you, talked about uh, hitting 50 home runs in baseball. He said, why not? Do you think, uh, you know, he can be the uh, the next guy to hit 60 home runs? I know you put that's putting a lot on his plate, but look what he did in the second half of last year to get to over 30 home runs. Uh this, he seems to be a home run and an RBI machine uh, in the making here. That kid's phenomenal. I've watched him now for years and to develop. And what he did is he advanced through the minor leagues and playing a double A at a young age and the way he destroyed the minor leagues. Uh, he has definitely has the ability to be 50-plus. I don't want to put pressure on him, but he definitely has that kind of ability. And what a personality. He's just a great kid. Yeah, he I is. thought what he did, Paul, with the uh, with the, the shop in Little Village, the dress shop that had converted to making masks, what Eloy did, for those who don't know, you can Google it, um, donating $500 gift cards to Jewel and with the White Sox donating um, all sorts of stuff to help was it was a beautiful thing. Seems to be a, a, a guy, a young man who's very connected to uh, to this town and wanting to do what's what's good for this town and for baseball. He'll be a great ambassador, and he and his family are just great people. They're just they're caring, intelligent, and he's just he enjoys being on the baseball field. He just he thrives on that. He loves it. 
and he's he's what makes baseball what it should be again. It's it's fun. You go out, you're getting paid to do something that you've loved your whole life, and he loves every minute of it. And I was excited to see Edwin up there. Uh, I think Edwin was going to have a tremendous year, and hopefully the fans get to see what he can do. Paul, we appreciate it very much. Uh, Best to you and your family, and uh, hopefully we will be talking the next time with you about the season of 2020 and that 80-100 to game uh, season that hopefully is coming for everybody that's looking forward to it. Thanks again, Paul. Well, absolutely. And then I wanted to thank the White Sox, too. Edwin, uh, they're great with charity. And Edwin, Pedro Martinez, and the guys raised over a million dollars to help the uh, health workers and the Dominican and supplies. And the White Sox are always right there stepping up to uh, help out. They're one of the best teams. As far as I know, they were the only team to donate to that it was a huge group for the Dominican health workers. So uh, they're one of the best teams. And, uh, Matt, it was a pleasure meeting you. And, Chicago, I hope you appreciate Bruce Levine. I, I deal with people <laughs> all over the country. He's one of the best. Talk to you Thanks, guys Paul. later. Appreciate Goodbye. it. Thank you very much. Uh, that cost me an extra 25 bucks, by the way, Matt. Worth every penny. Yeah. Worth every but, penny. Uh, Paul's a great guy. We've been uh, uh, closely associated uh, since he's been in the business the last 30 years and uh, has represented some great Chicago players as well, Ramos Ramirez, uh, Starlin Castro, uh, Jose Abreu to begin. No, not not Abreu, sorry, but uh, the others, and uh, just a great guy. We'll continue on with um, with more, and we'll, we'll come back with some more of this information that Matt and I have for you about what baseball may look like uh, coming back in 2020. Yeah, because uh, and, and 2021 um, starting to come into focus a little bit as well. And uh, that part, nah, not, as, not, not as pretty as, uh, as one would hope either. But we will discuss along the way. Bob Nightingale from USA Today also going to join us top of the hour. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. This is Inside the Clubhouse. And this hour of Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by... U.S. Water Heating Solutions. They service any type tank, tankless or boiler system for home and businesses. We thank them. And we thank you for listening to 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. And Bob Nightingale going to join us at the top of the hour. Uh, Looking forward to that, Bruce. And in terms of 2021... Uh, real quick here, there is uh, there, there's kind of a fear among baseball people that 2021 might look a lot like what the 2020 season will in terms of the lack of minor league activity. Is that fair to say? Uh, you mean as far as uh, no minor league season or? What, or just what? Um, it, just a, a greatly reduced minor leagues. Well, yeah, I mean, the plan was to eliminate 40 minor league affiliates. So that that is that's going to happen now. Uh, a lot of the teams, Matt, have two Class A teams. I think some of the players in their systems are going to be filtered to their minor league uh, extended camps, you know, in Arizona and Florida, the players that are not ready to compete at the A, AA, AAA level. So I think that restructuring is in stone pretty much. Uh, yeah, you're going to have less players. You're going to have 
teams uh, keep some of their uh, Latin players in the Dominican Republic uh, for a longer period of time, developing there rather than uh, bringing them to the United States uh, at age 17, 18, and 19. So uh, from from all of that, yeah, we're looking at a major uh, reconstruction of the minor leagues. And uh, as to whether it bodes well for the future of the game, uh, we, we don't know. But many people in Major League Baseball believe that uh, they, they that so many players do not develop that uh, it's just a waste of money and uh, resources to have these extra teams that they are eliminating. Hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, that and where the negotiations stand and get some other information from Bob Nightingale next, right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 